the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. It is a delight to welcome back to the show, as we do every Friday when he and I are both in town, which is usually the case, just hasn't been for the past couple of weeks. It is a delight to bring back George Kaloff. He is the president of Data Orbital and the managing partner of the Resolute Group, our nation's uh, most esteemed uh, political consultants, and we are delighted he is uh, a resident here in Phoenix. George, how are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Seth. Thank you, as always, for having me. You betcha. I love having you. I love talking to you. I love picking your brain. Um, a lot, lot of, lot of politics going on this week. I guess every week, and that's why we wanted to have you regularly this year. Of course, being such a, such a politically heated year. But uh, some of the stuff I, I, I want to examine just a little bit deeper with you that has transpired over the week. Can I start um, a little bit north? Can I start with San Francisco? The, um, yes. the conservative movement uh, is kind of jumping for, for joy in, 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 um, in, in seeing that three school board members were recalled there and by very high margins. I don't think any, any of the three were recalled with a less than 70 percent recall vote. I'm a, I'm a little concerned that we're jumping for joy just a little too quickly. I also don't want us to think that this is a big victory and that we've won something. We've stopped something bad. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic, but I would love your read on it. And whatever I may have that's right or wrong about this, it is still true that parents in this overwhelmingly left-wing city did indeed cast a vote to get in their schools opened. Isn't that right? George, how do you read San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's actually a great place to start because there's a lot to unpack. Good, I mean, good. as we've talked about it for you know a number of the last weeks, and you just mentioned it, parents' rights, schools, curriculum, mandates, they're top of mind for anyone who has children in the home, right? Okay. So that's, that's the foundation for everything we're going to talk about relative to San Francisco. Okay. But the thing that's unique is that in San Francisco, uh, the mayor and these three individuals have been, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, they have been at war. Uh, figuratively, over the last number of months, right? right? The progressive right. mayor with right. these progressive members right. because she wanted to open the schools, and they're like, no, we want to keep them closed. Right. So it is a victory for parents' rights, yep. right? And, yep. you know, uh, putting that in quotes, it's not necessarily a Republican victory or right. conservative victory because right. now what happens, by the way, is these three members are removed, and I believe it's the mayor or another, whoever it is, it's going to be a progressive Democratic politician who's going to put the replacement. That's right. Like we're that's exactly right. Democrats with yeah. Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And it's a big deal to know. Let me parenthetically uh, so, insert on this point, George, the reason I'm a yeah. little that's that's a very that's a very good addition to the parenthetical I wanted to add, which is I think unlike what happened in Virginia, this was not a vote about critical race theory. I don't think it mattered that this was cited as reason cited had to do with the renaming of schools, taking Lincoln's name down or George Washington's and Paul Revere's. I think that was all just that could have been anything that could have been, you know, painting 
I don't know, bricks. The point was it was about the schools being closed and these guys not doing everything they could to open the schools, yeah. whatever it was they were doing. I, because I'm guessing if you put up to a vote removing those names, it probably would pass in San Francisco. I think it was about the schools not being open. That's my sense. That's my sense. But that, to yeah. that point, yeah. yours is even more important, which is you are replacing far lefties with far lefties, right? Correct. Correct. And, and this is the thing. I mean, and I and I will say this is something I've even tried to push back on folks. We are jumbling a lot of issues, even outside of just specific San Francisco, even coming out of Virginia. We're putting a lot of things together. We're including critical race theory with broader curriculum, right. with uh, school openings yep. and mandates and a number of those things. Oh, right? yeah. The All mandates, too. Yeah, you bet. Right. Synonymous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They're, they're not synonymous. And so this clearly sends an indication that parents want their kids in school. Right. Uh, and I and I do think it's helpful to unpack, uh, maybe at some point uh, when we're on the phone today, you know, how the left is bifurcating on COVID response. This is an excellent example of that, because there are two sides of the left now that are saying, okay, guys, we need to we need to reel back our COVID response. Take a, a moment on that. That's good. Take a moment on that to yeah. educate us. We need to be yeah. aware of what yeah. they're doing. Go ahead. Yeah. So in the last three or four weeks, you've seen Washington, D.C., roll back mandates, vaccine and mask. You have seen the state of New York do it. Uh, you have seen a couple of other left-wing states do it. But you've also seen the mayor of New York say we're not going to – the mayor of New York City say we're not going to roll them back. Chicago still has theirs. Uh, California, Gavin Newsom, the blessed governor of the state we mm-hmm. just talked about where San Francisco is in, mm-hmm. he is also saying, no, we're going to have to live for COVID, you know, with COVID for forever. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a fracturing in the Democratic caucus mm-hmm. where there are members of Pelosi's leadership team that are saying, yeah, we need to kind of get away with these mass mandates on the floor and stuff like that. And others are saying, no, we want them. So this is an embodiment, I think, of a battle that's happening in the progressive movement, yeah. which is, OK, how do we now cope with uh, COVID and can we really be all in in this way? And yeah. the answer clearly from voters, 70 percent of them is saying, no, you can't shut down schools. This will have an impact not to benefit Republicans. But look, it will benefit children because children are going to be in school. So there is a definitely bright, bright spot. It's not as much of a political bright spot, though, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, and 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 I do I do want to point out there is a difference, too, between what took place in um in uh, Virginia and San Francisco. I mean, Virginia is not so clear cut a Republican or Democratic state. I looked this up. I don't know if you knew this. You probably did. I had no idea. I looked up the party registration in San Francisco. Do you realize that in that city, Republicans, registered Republicans are seven percent, seven percent of the registered voters in San Francisco are Republican. Yeah. I had no idea. I would have guessed exactly. I would have probably guessed fifteen. So yeah, clearly I did not know. That is, I mean, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that is exceptionally low. And that's what I'm saying. This isn't about. This didn't happen because Republicans got together and recalled this individual, even though turnout was twenty five percent. Right. Even if a hundred percent of Republicans came out with twenty five percent turnout, this still doesn't lead into a recall. It's because the Democrats decided we need these people out. Because, and this is the other thing, too, Seth, that's going to be very interesting. We've talked a number of times on the show about what's the impact on 2022. What does this look like? There are a lot more articles, and that's another thing sort of we can you know, unpack a bit. There are a lot of articles that are just screaming warnings to the left, and they're only getting louder and worse. Yeah. And I think this is also an outcome of the fact that there are members 
of the progressive movement that are saying, guys, if we don't get our stuff together and if we don't open schools and alleviate this anger that the parents, you know, like people with, you know, likely to have children in the home, we're not going to win this thing. And all of the gains that we made under Trump with these suburban voters are going to be rolled back. That is a very legitimate concern. And I really think this is another reason that there are people in the progressive movement that are waiting up, waking up to that. And things like this, I think, are going to maybe happen even more around the country now that this outcome has occurred in San Francisco. You know, part of the problem, George, that's a good analysis. Part of the problem the left may have is a vacuum in 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 a leadership that can direct them that can solve the argument for them uh i'm thinking in 1992 when bill clinton ran for president the saying was he dragged the democratic party kicking and screaming away from the dukakis movement and the george mcgovern movement he dragged the party kicking and screaming more to the center and 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 he was charismatic and articulate enough to be able to not only do that and then ultimately, not initially, but ultimately actually govern that way. Uh, I don't know if the Democratic Party is the same party it was in 1992. In fact, I, you would know and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's tilted even further to the left since then. But that being true, it also seems to me it just doesn't have a charismatic strong leader like that either. I mean, out when the Democratic Party is talking about rerunning Hillary Clinton, you're, you're looking at a pretty spent force, aren't you? One hundred percent. And I will tell you, the Democratic Party of today isn't even the Democratic Party of 2008, yeah. let alone of 1992. Yeah. Right? I, mean, yeah. I mean, we have there's a. There's a tremendous – if you go back, and I've done this occasionally for fun, I've gone back and I've looked at the party platform that Obama had in 08, yeah. and I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, how far have we come in the last 13 years, let alone since 1992 and almost the last 30? Uh, and you're 100% correct as well. The, charis- the need for a charismatic leader to coalesce, candidly, either party yep. – uh, you know, obviously the former president in, in, in Trump uh, has, did it on the right, and it continues to do it largely, but on the left – there's a bench, maybe. Sure, there's going to be a lot of people that may run for president. There are a lot of fractures, yep. regional and yep. ideologically. Oh, yeah. There is not that same uniform leader, and there's no kicking and, you know, there's no dragging anyone kicking and screaming to the right. middle anymore. That's in right. both parties, definitely not on the progressive left. Though. Oh, definitely. that's right. I mean, I think the way, I, one of the ways I can put it, uh, you put it any number of ways, is, you know, Joe Biden keeps insisting he's not Bernie Sanders. What different would this presidency look like if he were right george i got to take a quick commercial break you good for one more segment when we come back absolutely i'm seth leibson he's george kaloff from the resolute group and data orbital and we will be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, live from the Guns Etc. studios. Delighted to have George Kaloff with us. He's the president of Data Orbital and the managing partner of the Resolute Group. George, one more thing about the left and um, and our politics, if I if I might. I want to run it by you. It seems like such a bleedingly obvious thing. Uh, I'm embarrassed that I had never said it, but I was reading an article by a uh, – by one Bacha Unger Sargon, who is a self-described leftist. I've had her on the show. She's just becoming increasingly disenchanted with her movement because she finds it has abandoned working-class people, the people it used to say it's speaking up on behalf of. And she wrote a single sentence that just blew me away. Again, bleedingly obvious, but it never occurred to me to think it. She writes, the left is now in power. 
The left used to be the counterculture. It used to be the dissent movement. It's now really in power both politically and I would say culturally. The corporations, uh, major national athletic organizations, certainly the schools, uh, certainly the journalism, you know, in a way that just never was the truth, never was the case before. So that conservatives or middle of the roaders are almost now the counterculture. And that's kind of an interesting thing to wrap our heads around a little bit. It almost reminds me of – I mean the left wasn't in power then. But it almost reminds me of the coalition Ronald Reagan built in 1980 and Donald Trump built in 2016 on the one hand. Uh, on the other, it also tells me that – it also tells me that if we were to do what those Canadian truckers were doing – going further north than San Francisco for a second. How this country would react, I think, remains to be seen. How how much the conservative movement would coalesce around it is an interesting question. My sense is it would, but I'm not sure what your sense is and if any of that makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it does. It does. I mean, look, uh, we know from political history and just history in general, it is easier to be my humble opinion, those some may disagree. It's easier to be a dissident and the thorn in the side than it is to be the leader, yep. right? Because as yep. a leader, you have to cast vision, you have to coalesce, you really can't lead with a minority voice, you have to lead with a majority voice. So all of that by default becomes harder. And the, the most important thing of I think what you said, and, and and I would agree with you, it is obvious once you read it, but you don't really kind of think about it in those terms. Is it's not just majority? Because look, majorities in Congress have flipped back and forth. We know that, you know that. I mean, we all know that. It's the cultural majority that for the first time, other than in pockets of our nation, broadly speaking, you know, people that believe what we believe is in you and I, a lot of the listeners, we, we are in the minority for various reasons. We don't have to unpack all of them today for various reasons. And that is very different. And so it does allow us to be, it is easier, but it's also more of a position of power to be the foil to those. And I would say, look, what's happening in Canada is very interesting. I've, I've kind of grappled with, okay, what do clients down here what should we be doing with that? Yeah, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm that? curious there's, on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's rumors that it's like, oh, there's gonna, they're gonna do something. Yep. Um, they're gonna do something like it here. The one thing I know for sure is America and Americans, uh, you know, I would say in the middle, definitely on the right, are not gonna be. Um, I think they're gonna be. We would look more favorably on things like that. Remember what happened in the Tea Party movement? Yep. yep. Uh, candidly, look at what happened this past year yep. from the left and yep. the riots and the disruption. I mean, there's a lot of and now there's cultural reasons why those people were given, you know, uh, like people were given passes. But you know, whether it's Antifa or BLM and some of the other stuff, but America wouldn't stand by if um, I don't think if people now they're starting to arrest them, they're yep. starting to pick them up. I mean, right. it's definitely has been a coalescing of power. By, by default, Americans, right? We're, yep. we're born out of the American Revolution. No, we're, we're the same people. To, yeah, right. to the crown. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right? So I think it would be received more favorably, but this is the most important thing we know. When you go all in on something like that, what is your end? Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate thing for the truckers, I think they just wanted notoriety. And look, they have made gains. People don't focus on this because Canadians don't want them to. They've made gains in a lot of these province governments where they have rolled back in Alberta yep. and now Quebec and other places. They've yep. rolled back their mandates. Yep. Um, but... The, the bigger end is like they knew that this was going to be the end. They weren't going to like take over government. Right. And so that's what's always very risky about making final stands, quote unquote, like that is you have to think through where do you want to be in a month or two or five or six. Right. And I think that's the big thing. Uh, look at the Tea Party. The end was disruption. 
and there are still Tea Party groups around there, but we know it's not like the Tea Party. Oh, I get calls. So I get calls something. five, six times a year. Whatever happened to the Tea Party? Yeah, right, right. Where'd the yeah, Tea Party go? Exactly. Yeah, it it yeah, is exactly. a challenge for conservatives or a conservative movement that is not naturally used to being countercultural, that is not naturally used to being a dissenting movement, that's not naturally used to being a protest movement. Let me put it that way. I think we've learned a lot, uh, though, about how to do it. Certainly, certainly we know how to do it at the ballot box when there's a charismatic agenda and leadership. Give you Newt Gingrich in 1994. Certainly we know how to do it. When there's enough anger stirred up, as we saw in 2010 with the Tea Party movement, uh, and 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 we're beginning to see a, a bit more of it now over COVID. Although we didn't see it in the same way, the COVID mandates, the COVID restrictions, we didn't see it in the same way. So I kind of wonder if this nonsense goes on, if we as a movement will will know how to seize it and do it right and rightly. Uh, I hope so. I hope so, uh, if needs be, but. It is interesting, too, you're pointing out you don't want to push against a door that's open just to do the pushing. And while I'm in no sense optimistic, it is true that a lot of our places now are lifting mandates, not Arizona. We don't notice it as much here. But it's interesting. You had mentioned Washington, D.C. There are parts of California that are going through this this magical date of February 15th. The science told us was the day we could take our masks off, right? Exactly. So we don't don't want to push against an open door is is another concern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it's you know, we knew all, uh, I shouldn't say we knew all along, a number of months in, we started to get a sense that, okay, there was a seriousness to it for certain age groups and certain comorbidities and all those things have to good devolve too into COVID. But the point of sort of me getting out with all this is the more that fear wanes, the severity of Omicron not being once again linked like Delta with the severity of hospitalizations. I'm not saying it wasn't serious. I'm not saying people didn't die. The severity has started to diverge even more. So the less people are afraid, the more that people are going to buck and push back and say enough, because I know from data that we look at mask mandates in Arizona, the only subgroup age-wise that supported the ban on mask mandates that support the ban on mask mandates as of two or three months ago, that was passed by the legislature were individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. Why? They were the ones likeliest to have killed children in the That's home. That's it. And if you're likely to have a child in the home, That's and your it. child comes home and is anxious and and you know and is depressed and is having to wear a mask and is irritated because they're doing it eight hours a day, now the fear becomes diminished and the anger over your child becomes increased. Except yep. the other categories, right? You're older, you're yep. more afraid. So you see what I'm saying? Like we're 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 starting to really see what's happening, and so. It's hard. Like, look, there's a lot of leaders that aren't stupid. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or on the right. You're looking at this, you're like, oh, my God, people aren't afraid anymore. Right. We can't control them. Right. <laughs> we so, can't control them. And so, so we might as well actively do it. Yeah. But yeah. thankfully for Republicans, there are still those on the progressive left that are trying to control. And there's going to be a, you know, an ensuing red wave if they continue to double down the way that they look like they're going to continue. Yeah, uh, to do this election cycle. And if we can never give up and keep our memories focused and not jump from lily pad to lily pad. George Kaloff, I appreciate yes. you so much. Thank you. Until next week, I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Seth. Talk you soon. betcha. George Kaloff on the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. Your call's up next, 602-508-0960. We will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Let's see. Where am I going to? Oldest on, longest on hold first is Christopher in Phoenix. Hello, Christopher. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing just fine. Sounds like you're doing great today. Super. I, I love the show. It's right on point with so many different Based resonating factors with our society right now. Yeah. Um, uh, I uh, you brought up a little something in your monologue that had to do with uh, business businesses working together and everything. Yes, sir. And uh, it's like uh, you know working together individually, but you know as a whole as to uh, what it is is the right thing to do. You know. Yep. And. Um, um, there's no such thing, someone said, and I don't remember if it was C.S. Lewis, I think it was. There's no such thing as a good corporation. A corporation is good or bad based on the people in it, the people running it. And, and, and I think that's worthy of remembering because, you know, for years, maybe this isn't the point you were making, but I'll make it anyway and we can deal with it one way or the other. <laughs> Um, Christopher, uh, for years, you know, the American corporation was in, you know, achieved the enmity of the left. The left was against the American corporation, people over profits. They ended up deciding rather than protesting them and boycotting them to go work for them and take them over. And uh, to this day, outside of what you may see on Fox News or on talk radio, it's it's hard to name a major American corporation that could be considered center right even. Um, they all got the progressive but, but, memo, is my point. Even if they are working independently, I think I think that's very valid in a lot of ways. But you look at your Fortune five comp- Fortune five hundred companies that have prospered the longest. Uh, you look at the people, and if they were to take a pay cut, they wouldn't change companies just by the way of uh, doing things like um, like uh, Simon Sinek type of uh, things that he's talked about when you base things on people and you base things on uh, purpose and meaning that you bring to people's lives. Uh, A lot of companies that when uh, the economy went down and uh, you had people in charge saying, hey, I'm going to take a bottom, I'm going to take a drastic pay cut here so that I can keep as many people as possible working in the company, but we're going to have to take longer vacations. And then they found that people with inside the companies and corporations and stuff themselves, especially manufacturing places, uh, would uh, the people would go ahead and, and and work out to where some people who could afford to take more time would take more time to keep the people who couldn't afford to take time to keep them working. Okay. And what do you deduce so from that? What do you take from that? Well, um, the the purpose and meaning in life that. That what they were uh, uh, give that what they were doing with the company and their product or accomplishing uh, what they were providing to the world meant something. Yes. Okay. Fair it enough. I'm following you now. Okay. I'm on your track. Go ahead. And uh, it, it 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 made a huge difference in people's lives because it really meant something to what they were doing. It had value to life. But didn't it also change the corporation in a sense politically? Um, yes, because, because people, it, rather than going to work and considering work just something you do so that you can pay the mortgage pay or rent, 
they um, and politics was what you did outside or everything else is what you did outside. They now saw their meaning in their work and they could bring their politics to work. Um, I guess I, I can't get into the politics side of it too much, but I, I did. It did come about that later on they did a study and a lot of them ended up uh, paying more attention to politics and therefore swinging more of a percentage to the right. So I think there's, you know, your point is valid there also. Um, you know, it's interesting, too. It's not just corporations. It's um, the education profession. Uh, it's popular. One of the things that have been popular, I don't know, I've been doing federal education policy roughly 30 years. Up until uh, two or three years ago, and I only say that because I haven't looked at these polls in about two or three years, these surveys, up until about two or three years ago, surveys of teachers, low pay was not their number one concern, though it was the concern of every politician. That's right. Kind of interesting there too, isn't it? I I got one more point I want to bring up. You want to hold a second and make it on the other side? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by the good folks at Balance of Nature. I was telling you about the potency of the uh, fruit blend on their vegetables blend. Everything they do, everything I'm about to tell you, they they have this unique cold-pressed process where all of this is pressed into vegetarian capsules, which if you don't want to swallow, although I do, um, you can open up and sprinkle easily. You can also chew them. They're a great snack. But every every supplement that they do comes with the maintenance, protection, and repair products. What are the products? Broccoli, spinach, soybean, zucchini, cayenne pepper, wheatgrass, sweet potato, green onion, kale. It's great, potent, powerful stuff. And they have a great deal for you if you want to try their fruits and veggies. Great deal over at Balance of Nature. Just use Discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, the fruits and veggies. I take them every day. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Christopher in Phoenix has been talking with us. Christopher, you said you wanted to uh, uh, raise one other point. Right. Um, It's connected to the other one of uh, businesses and stuff working together. Um, uh, But I got to thinking about an example um, of I got to thinking about an example of uh, a business in particular that helped me out in a way that made a difference. Okay. Now, um, I, I can get into the specifics as to why this happened at that time, and uh, if you want me to, um, but it, which would take a couple of minutes to explain, but I don't know if anybody wants to hear it or not. But what occurred was um, it came from losing my driver's license back when I was in the Air Force in New Mexico. Okay. Well, somebody else picked up my driver's license. I went ahead, and they used it when they got pulled over, but I was at work here in Phoenix. Well, because I didn't even know I got the ticket, they took away my driver's license here so I could get it straightened out in New Mexico, which cost me, you know, uh, over probably about $1,600, $1,700 before I'd get my driver's license, and they suspended my driver's license for a year and a half. Well, it took a judge here to get my driver's license back and then they said i needed to get sr22 insurance like like i had my license taken away for bad reasons when it wasn't it was just you know happenstance so anyway they went ahead 
and, and this woman went ahead and overrode another person within motor vehicle division to uh, saying that I didn't have to get an SR-22. So I went about, and because I overrode this for the next few years, years, every single month, I was harassed by getting a letter from Motor Vehicle Division that I had to go down and present to them to prove them I had insurance, but they would make me sit there in a seat from three to five hours once a month, every single month for years to prove to them I had insurance. But I never not had insurance. They mm-hmm. didn't have a reason to do that. It was just sheer harassment. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the important part of the story. This is the best part of it. I had I went from insurance company to insurance company to insurance company because I was also being harassed. This relates to the truckers up north where their insurance is being taken away. Now, I would go from insurance company to insurance company to insurance company because somebody within, you know, some bureaucrat within the system went ahead and would harass the insurance company and I'd pay for insurance and they would get my insurance taken away and then they'd come around and say, oh, well, you don't have insurance. They'll say, no, I paid for it. Here's my card. No, you don't. And I had to go down and prove I had insurance. And then it was just harassment and harassment. I found an insurance company here who confronted it with a letter, um, and she put an end to it. She put an end for them, for the bureaucrat within the government system, of being able to take my insurance away from me. And, it, and, it, and they've never been able to take my insurance away from me ever again. Isn't that an awesome story? Yes, I'm trying to. I'm trying to take the the point of it, though. The point. I'm not sure is, I followed the somebody point. Somebody standing up within the community, yeah. who had a business, who had an insurance business, uh, and and taking a stand, saying this is wrong. You can't do that. It just he takes what? Yeah, one. one yes, nicely put, Christopher. Uh, yes, one person. In uh, this, this is this is an Aristotelian point. In in his book on the politics, he talks about what a good person is in a bad regime versus what a bad person is in a good regime. And you find you find one good person in a bad regime, and they 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 can work wonders. That's what you found, Christopher. Uh, but notice notice the hassle you went through. Not not that you need me to tell you the hassle you went through, just notice how it worked. And you saw some of this with COVID and the mandates before the Supreme Court stepped in. Notice how it worked. Notice the nexus between business, often big business, but not always, between business and government. Notice that corporatism. Notice that 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 quiet fascism, if you will, which is really what fascism is, or at least how it usually begins, uh, according to the uh, according to World War II history and according to, to to ideological philosophical scholars who study fascism, communism, and democracy, this is how it starts. It starts with the corporate takeovers, and it starts with making the corporations, the employers, and those without whom we cannot live our lives because we are quasi tasked in the regulatory state to use private enterprise. In this case, it involves insurance. It could involve licensure. It could involve any number of things. Notice that dangerous nexus. You know, I was speaking to someone earlier today about, uh, you know, what kind of conservative I happen to be. 
And I'll say, you know, I think everyone in the conservative movement, no matter where they were four years ago, is probably a looking a little bit more kindly upon and adopting a little bit more from the strand of conservatism we call libertarianism. That has that has proven itself to be one of the um, one of the strands of our of our, of our movement that uh, that has that is that has been on the rise lately because it has appealed to all our sentiments because a lot of what they have been warning about uh, has um, has come to the fore. Uh, anyway, my point, Christopher, is this: be wary of big, whether it's corporations or whether it's government. Conservatives used to say government, but now, especially with the regulatory regime having taken off at hyperspeed since we used to say those things, which was the 1980s, we have to remember how long ago that was and how much things have transpired since Reagan left office. 33 years, I guess it's been. And when you think about that, that's an entire generation. A lot has changed in 33 years. And that includes a massive new amount of regulations. It also means a massive new amount of students that have left the high schools and colleges uh, by the millions, by the millions, every year, steeped in socialist doctrine, and then doing what? Joining the military, getting jobs, running for office, doing what human beings do in this country. Things have changed. So I, I think the message I want to draw is, yes, awesome for that person. It's good to be the one person with the truth and decency in an otherwise rotten scenario or evil state, which we could make an example of, in your case, writ small, of course it is. But as a general warning to the rest of our movement, beware big, but also beware that nexus. That is how fascism starts. Is that Eddie Rabbit's version? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Michael and Peoria, thank you for your patience, sir. Hi, uh, Seth. How are you this afternoon? I'm well. My dog got me up extra early, so I'm a little little tired, but I'm well otherwise. I wake up every morning with my dog staring me in the face. But, but quietly, right? Or does the dog wake yeah, you up? Yeah, does the stare wake you up? Well, it's... it's it's like I, I feel eyes on me. Oh, you do feel the eyes. And, and, and what hour is that? What time is that, Michael? Um, well, my alarm is set for 545, but he's always 15 minutes before. So That's, about yeah, he's on Dagny's schedule. Your dog and my dog ought to have coffee and leave us alone. Okay. All right. Anyway, but uh, something really concerning about Ukraine yes, sir. that's going on and, and with Russia and I, I, I even heard it now uh, just recently on the le- last news update uh, here on, on 960 about uh, Putin declaring that his nuclear forces are doing exercises now. Putin and nuclear forces. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and so uh, I guess they're, they're, he's, he's – is he activating his nuclear forces? I mean, is this an escalation of what's going on? I think, I, yeah, scary. okay, so so what the AP, here's how the AP is printing it. The AP is reporting the Russian military on Friday announced massive drills of its strategic nuclear force. 
a stark reminder of the country's nuclear might amid Western fears that Moscow might be preparing to invade Ukraine. So it's not the testing of nuclear weapons, right? It's the drills that uh, they announce to the world and show to the world that they are engaging in should they need to engage in strategical nuclear warfare. And it's obviously an escalation. It's obviously an attempted provocation. Do you get the sense, as I do, that Putin is trying to provoke the United States? I, I get the sense he's trying to provoke us. He has provoked us a little bit. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll just, I mean, I, I will say this. I will say this, uh, and, and, and maybe it's Captain Obvious, but nowhere should and in no way should we ever emulate Putin. But I, I do want to tell I do want to point out what it means to have a strong leader of a country up against a very weak leader of a country. You know, the Soviet Union didn't pull this baloney with Ronald Reagan. In fact, Iran released its host, American hostages not at any time during the Carter administration, but on the day of Ronald Reagan's inauguration. And I don't think that Russia would have done this on Donald Trump's watch. Syria could do it under Barack Obama and did. And Russia's trying to do something now with the leadership we have. And when I say the leadership we have, I am stretching beyond any dictionary definition, the definition of leadership. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 